Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball here with you on a holiday win for the Colorado Rockies. A big win, kind of, a 7-1 win. Look, that's a, that's a huge, huge win, right? But obviously, it didn't necessarily feel that way because the Rockies didn't score until the seventh inning, uh, which made this one a bit of a nail-biter for a while, but they were able to bounce back after a really incredible, strong performance from Pablo Lopez, who's been fantastic all season for the Marlins. He's sitting there with a 183 ERA on the season. If you watched the game, you saw him with some tremendous command, some excellent swing and miss stuff, really good manipulation of the baseball. Pretty much everything he threw had good late movement. He was hitting his spots far more often than not. He was getting first pitch strikes. I would even say the vast majority of the pitches that he threw either started in the strike zone and ended up just outside of the strike zone or vice versa, right? They started just outside and ended up just inside. Like he pitched a fantastic baseball game. So while the Rockies did have a few base runners, they managed to draw four walks against him. That's the one thing that they really did well from a game plan standpoint was make him throw a decent number of pitches. So he was only able to go six, but they really only had their one scoring opportunity against him there in the sixth inning. And, you know, I was starting to think I'd be sitting here talking to you on this podcast about an extraordinarily frustrating one nothing loss where it looked like C.J. Crone had hit a two-run home run against Lopez, and their only you know, real opportunity there after Connor Joe comes up with a one-out triple. So you've got a guy at third, and you don't even necessarily need a base hit to score him to tie the ball game up. But you get this yeah, two in a row, one that just went foul that should have been an RBI double or could have been an RBI double, I should say. And then you thought the two-run home run, but... Oddly enough, and I still would love to go back and get a better angle on that. I really thought it looked like a home run. They didn't call it that way. So you're going into the seventh inning, down one nothing, despite the fact you've got this extraordinary outing from Ryan Feltner, uh, one of the best outings all season from a Colorado Rockies pitcher. I'll get back to that. But they finally managed to, again, thanks to the fact that they got the starter out of there, they get into the bullpen, they put their inning together when they needed to, they load the bases up. Manager Bud Black decides to go to the guy who's been the best contact hitter on his team all season, Jonathan Daza. And and I absolutely love this nickname that I heard for the first time today. I don't know how much it's out there. I don't know who came up with it. It doesn't really matter. Nicknames are one of those things that just kind of get into the aether, and they're the thing. But obviously, being a big Star Wars fan, I absolutely love Yoda for Jonathan Daza. Uh, Yoda is pretty great, Yoda. Uh, however you want to pronounce it, if you want to actually say it like him or not, you, you know, like the Star Wars hero or, or give it a little extra. So it sounds more like a, a baseball thing, Yoda. Uh, but he comes up with a double down the left field line that clears the bases. He's been phenomenal. In fact, you might even, and I can't even believe I'm saying this as somebody who watched this kid probably more than most people throughout the minor leagues and always really, really liked him, but never thought he was quite going to be able to translate to the big leagues. Cause as we've seen, we just doesn't have, he just doesn't have that power, right? And he still hasn't hit a home run all season, but it hasn't mattered. 
He's been so consistently good. He strikes out so rarely. He puts the ball in play. He's been hitting plenty of line drives. They're just going into the gaps and down the line as opposed to over the wall. And that's exactly what the Rockies needed in this situation and exactly what he delivered. Just a pitch that was out away from him a little bit. He went down and hit it over the third baseman's head. Didn't try to rip it over the wall. Basically knows that he can't. And so just pulls it to left field. Delivers exactly what his manager was hoping for. Probably the biggest hit of the season so far. And I think the last time I said that it was also about a Daza hit. And, you know, they needed this one. They've been spiraling. They absolutely have to, if they're going to salvage their season, get right at home and right now. And this was a big one. This would have been a really deflating loss, especially if it had been one nothing. They'd been sitting on a streak to that hit of 17 consecutive innings at home where they hadn't scored at Coors Field, despite the fact that the offense has been pretty good this year. So you know, you've just had these things going against them. The, the non-home run from the inning before, everything that was built up, and then in one swing, Daza clears the bases, scores three runners, phenomenal bunt from uh, Garrett Hampson right before that, by the way, which made it so that you could definitely score him from first on an extra base hit to one of the fastest guys in the league. Huge, huge, huge stuff from Jonathan Daza. And again, you, you've got to consider him as a borderline all-star now. Like I know usually all-stars are guys who hit a ton of home runs these days and, uh, and all of that. But Daza has been truly tremendous for the team this year. Uh, he's now at uh, 359 batting average. And I know batting average just isn't a thing that a lot of people like anymore. But when you see the results of it, when you see what he's actually doing, you've got to give it up for the guy. Not to mention the fact that he continues to play fantastic defense in center field. It cores one of the most difficult, in fact, probably almost certainly the most difficult center field, maybe Kansas City. But it's either it's one of those two. And Daza has been tremendous out there as well as a defender. And a lot of people were saying, and I 100% agree, I saw this coming across my Twitter timeline, I saw this chat in the Discord, that Daza's got to be a starter until further notice. He's been too consistently good. And, you know, obviously, you know, he, he wasn't in the starting lineup today. A day game, long road trip. Guys are going to get certain days off whenever you, you know, you, you can. And you also had an opportunity to get Sam Hilliard into the game. You need to give him as many chances as you can. And you saw him contribute out there as well with a couple of runs scored and a couple of base hits. Uh, still under 200 for the season. But I, I still love the potential of Sam Hilliard to help out this ball club. So you got to find ways to get him in there as well. But as, as far as your regular starters are concerned, your outfield, even when Chris Bryant returns, has got to include Jonathan Daza. He's just playing too well. He's got to be your everyday starting center fielder until further notice because he's the best defender you've got in your outfield. And right now he's one of the best hitters you've got in your lineup. That's just too indispensable of a player to be taking out. You know, then it's going to be interesting because with Chris Bryant in left, it's, you know, either Charlie Blackman or Connor Joe in right and the other one DHing. And it does again get more and more difficult to get those other guys back in there. But Daza has absolutely earned his spot as an everyday member of the lineup right now. Let's talk about the other hero of the game, which of course I mentioned briefly up front, but that was Ryan Feltner. 
Ryan Feltner, for his third outing this season, has looked anywhere from good to very good. In fact, I would say his last two outings have been very good. He deserved to win his last one. Bullpen let him down on that road trip, but he got the win today despite the fact, and again, I know pitcher wins, whatever, whatever, but the ball club got the win today behind him in uh, uh, really a tremendous performance. Seven innings pitched, four hits, one earned run, one walk, six strikeouts, I was able to work through an inning where after a tough uh, leadoff, I think it was base hit on that one, uh, he had his his double play ball. Garrett Hampson commits a really tough error because it's a tailor-made double play. He bobbles the ball, so they're not going to get the lead runner, but he still has plenty of time to get the trail runner at first, and he rushed the throw and didn't get anybody. So now instead of two outs and nobody on, you've got two on and nobody out. And... Feltner was able to get his double play anyway, and not only that, he was able to strand the runner at third. So, and I sent out this tweet, and it's kind of funny, but despite the fact that he gave up maybe the longest home run I have ever seen, you know, it's interesting. There's all these uh, debates about <laughs> how they measure some of this stuff, and they, they said that one from Trevor Story years ago went 505, and then later they said, no, it didn't, and... There's one on record from Stanton that technically went 500 feet, and they're difficult to measure out to center field and the left field. The, it's all a bit wonky out there, but because you've got three decks in right, right, and the party deck is out there, uh, the ball that Jesus Sanchez hit was, and I, I mean absolutely stinking obliterated. It was one of the hardest baseballs. And again, I know exit below, I think it was 114. We've seen some at 117, close to 120, I think. Uh, 119 might be the record. I'd have to double check all that. But as far as the combination of exit velocity, launch angle, and just the eye test of how it looked, the way he fell backwards as he hit it, the way it landed, like in the party deck, it was a monster home run. Uh, and, and Feltner just hung a slider to him up and in that he turned on and smashed. And, you know, I remember Carlos Gonzalez hitting a foul ball up into that area. And I remember Larry Walker hitting one up there, of course, long before the party deck existed. But that ball, holy moly, street ravioli. And cannoli. Uh, that was that was that was something else. That that was, <laughs> but you know now we can just admire it uh, that it was the only run that the Marlins got in the day, and that the Rockies ended up getting seven of their own. You can just kind of sit back and go, that was absolutely tremendous. What a display of power from that young man. I like. I can still. I that's one of those ones. I know. I'll, I will. It will be right there in the head memory space, right? And you'll be able to picture it in your head for a long, 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 long time. Truly, truly amazing. And Ryan Feltner can even kind of laugh at himself and not beat himself up over it too much, right? Because, hey, there's nobody on base in uh, the immortal words of Gimli from Lord of the Rings. It only counts as one right i don't care how far you hit it it's like you know the nastiest dunk in the world in the nba and it's like yeah two points right if you're up by 15 you don't care 
And in this particular instance, it was going to be, like I said, really brutal if that if it ended one nothing and that was the decisive run. And Feltner was saddled with a loss despite how well he pitched, but it didn't go down that way. He's rewarded with his first career win. I know it doesn't matter to statisticians. It matters to the players a little bit, so I'll at least mention it. Uh, but regardless, it's the right outcome, right? He pitched seven innings, only gave up four hits. One of them landed on the moon. But, be, but other than that, he was fantastic. For a guy who's been called up to make a couple of spot starts, for somebody who's kind of been a symbol of the Rockies' lack of depth at this position, somebody that I personally have used as a symbol of the Rockies' lack of depth at this position, overlooked him several times, even have said and written over at MileHighSports.com, like, can't wait for Peter Lambert and Ryan Rollison to get back, and, you know, they, they're going to need those guys because I don't know that this Feltner guy has got it, but he was pumping 96, 97 miles an hour. He had good movement. He had really good movement on the slider. He'd been striking out guys all year in the PCL. He It looks like maybe he's turned himself into a guy who's going to be able to contribute for you. And oddly enough, in this season where Marquez has really struggled, Freeland and Gomber have been up and down, Antonio Sensatella has been hurt, and... Chad Cool has been your only guy who's been really consistent. It's going to be interesting to see what they do here now, because after an outing like this, you almost want to hand the guy the baseball again, right? And I, I get that the Miami Marlins aren't the most feared lineup in the world, right? But we've seen that not matter. A couple of the games on that road trip, the way they gave up some runs to Pittsburgh and Washington, right? We've seen that it really oftentimes does come down to what you're throwing. And I think most of what Feltner did today would have been successful against most teams. Sure, you know, the Dodgers are going to find their ways to score runs. And as we talked about in his first outing against the Philadelphia Phillies, they found their way to get some runs off of him. But a lot of that had to do with the defense. He still got his strikeouts, and he still got through his innings. And the innings, man, the seven innings pitched might be the most important part of that stat line, honestly. The bullpen, I'll tell you who definitely believes that it is, both the bullpen, who were finally able to get a little bit of a day off, especially once, you know, the Rockies were able to tack on three more, which meant Daniel Bard didn't even have to enter the game, and, and they were able to get a low-stress finish to the game from Lucas Gilbreth. But manager Bud Black, of course, is going to be really happy about the fact that he didn't have to figure out which one of those guys, uh, you know, to try to get the, the ball too late, if especially if it didn't work for Bard. You know, so here you've got an interesting situation with Feltner, but congratulations to him on his best outing so far this season. And like I said, truly one of the best ones for the Rockies on the year so far. Good stuff from him. Um, Tyler Kinley pitched another inning where uh, it looked like he was maybe going to give up a run, ended up giving up a triple, a lot of triples in this game, uh, oddly enough. But didn't do so, was able to strand the runner, got a strikeout, lowered his ERA to 0.95. I'll say again, I think Kinley needs to get legitimate all-star consideration. And beyond that, uh, like I said, I think I think I mentioned these, but I want to make sure Brendan Rodgers extending his hit streak to uh, 17 games. Connor Joe getting on base again. His on-base streak continues to go. Uh, you got a couple of walks out of Ryan McMahon. A rough day for Randall Gritchick at the plate. But uh, beyond that, 
all told, you did get seven runs on 10 hits from the offense. They were just stacked up late. But when the other guys have a starter that goes like that, that's what you need to do. You know, the second somebody who was hitting every single one of his spots with tremendous stuff was out of the game, the Rockies offense were able to pounce and get their runs and get a lot of them. So good showing from those guys able to do that. Great showing from Ryan Feltner. Jonathan Daza with the clutch hit. And now the Rockies can maybe have a little bit of an exhale. I mean, you can't exhale too much, right? You got to stay focused. There's a fine line there. But, you know, like like I said, the, there was that error from Garrett Hampson earlier in the game that didn't actually end up leading to any runs and didn't cost them anything. But it's just so indicative of how kind of on edge and how the he's a very good defender. That's the first one we've really seen him do this year. But we've seen a lot of bad defensive plays from good defenders. We've seen a lot of bad pitching from good pitchers. Uh, And that's the kind of thing that just needs to stop if this team is going to be able to recover and live up to the best of their potential. Because they haven't been doing that. As much as some people, you know, there's, there's plenty of debate about what the best of their potential would be. I don't even think the harshest cynics would say, the Rockies have done that so far, especially with the way the starters have gone. So great to see this out of Ryan Feltner. Uh, will be really interesting to see now if the Rockies can, you know, back it up here at home. You got uh, a couple more against Miami. Marquez needs, needs, needs to have a good outing tomorrow. He just does. Probably the most important guy on the roster right now in terms of turning this thing around would be Marquez getting it together and not even necessarily returning to like the all-star version of himself, but just figuring out a way to regularly go five or six innings, get some quality starts, man. He's He has got to get it together in order for the Rockies to do what they need to do. And uh, we do not yet know who will be going for either club on Wednesday, at least not according to what I'm looking at right now. So here we go, man. It's a chance for the Rockies to recover. Uh, I know Atlanta coming in after this, obviously that's a tough team to face. But when the Rockies are right, they can beat anybody at home. They just haven't been right lately, and they haven't been beating anybody anywhere. right? (laughs) That part hasn't really mattered, but... Uh, th- this maybe was a, a nice breakthrough for them today. Uh, certainly a return of confidence that they can have a lopsided game go in their favor. It's just been so many where the lopsided, you know, they've been winning close ones and then losing lopsided ones. And, you know, you might be tempted to say, hey, sure, it was lopsided, but they didn't have any runs till the seventh. They were on the verge for two and a half hours. For three hours, it looked like they were going to lose one nothing, but... That's not how baseball works, is it? You got to play all nine at this level. Every time out, they're going to have to play all nine. And other teams are going to have to use their bullpens. And if that's where the Rockies are going to beat up on them, that's where they got to beat up on them. But you know, you'd like to see them be able to scratch and run. Got to cash that one in in the sixth, honestly. But baby steps back into playing much better, much more fundamentally sound baseball. And... Let's see where this Ryan Feltner thing goes. I At this point, I think, you know, and I don't know what the situation is with Senzatella. And honestly, man, if Marquez goes out tomorrow and is just awful, put him on the IL and leave Feltner in the rotation. Right? There's no way he's 100% anyway. And whatever it is, just put him on the IL 
get him some kind of mental vacation and send him for some rehab starts in AAA until he can get himself right. And at least for another outing or two, see if you can ride the hotter hand of Feltner. Nobody wants that to happen. You'd, you'd rather see Marquez just finally come out and shove a little bit. That'd be great. That's the best case scenario. But if he doesn't and Sensatella is ready to come back, I think you've seen enough good moments from Gomber and Freeland. You're not freaking out about them yet. And you can run with those five for a minute. It'd be really weird. Nobody, no Rockies analyst, fan, or coach, or player would have said at the beginning of the year, yeah, you know, by late May, they might want to swap out Marquez for Feltner. (laughs) No one had that on their bingo card, but maybe the prudent move right now. We'll see what happens. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're checking out all the other shows on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network and all the written content at, you guessed it, MileHighSports.com. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at Drew Creaseman. You can always join me there for a little extra fun, a little uh, Twitter spaces every once in a while, live Q&A. Those are a lot of fun. I haven't done one in a minute, but I'll get back to doing them. And you can always slide into my DMs to ask me about the Discord. Thank you all for listening to this episode. Continue to be absolutely awesome out there. I'll continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.